TKW draft season presented by the Nixwell and Whistle Sports. I am your co-host, the Flex Queen, Jay Ryan. And as always, I am with my co-host, Mr. Nixie. What's going on, my man? Happy to be here. Just got off work, ready to ready to talk some draft. Let's do it. And then we are also in the presence of Dylan Bird, who is a contributor on the Knicks wall. You can follow him at sports underscore bird, B-U-R-D, and uh, check out his work on sportsbird.com. Dylan, how are we doing? I'm great. Uh, I finally feel like I can talk about the draft now that the playoffs are over. Um, I mean, we're, we're pretty much closing in within a month of the draft, so that's exciting. Yeah, the, the end is finally here. We, <laughs> we can see the end of the tunnel, and we can really start digging into the these draft draft picks and and uh see what it's looking like um so we had an original plan of who we were going to talk about today and we're still going to do that but first we need to talk about something that came out today which comes from us from the hashtag empty gym season that pre-draft always graces us with and it has to do with Devin Vassell and his shooting form, which is new and something to see. Um, I will say the original video that was put out has since been deleted. Uh, but of course, since it's Twitter and it's 2020, you can easily still find it. Um, and I guess the only way I can explain it is Vassell's release was always very high. But it's also it, it's like cocked back now, almost to the point where it's behind his head. Um, Dylan, what were your first impressions when you saw saw this vid? So when I saw it, I was like, like what the heck? Like he 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 had like one of the most beautiful jumpers I've seen out of this draft class. And I, I mean, I love Vassell, I still do. But I was like, where is that coming from? And then I thought about it a little bit more after you know after it settled for a little bit, and I'm like, all right, like everyone has played in an empty gym before. And you've always, you know, you could just try things at random times because you're playing in an empty gym. It's not a real game. Um, you're just practicing. So I think that it's possible that maybe he was just trying out a few things and the reporter who sent out that video just happened to get him at the wrong time. Uh, I don't really know if I completely buy that that's his legit jumper now. And if it is, I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is a good point. And it's funny because the I think it was one of his like Florida State teammates that was in the video also. And so when I first saw the video, I was like, no, is that the other guy? But they're so different in height. Like there was no no questioning it. Um, and yeah, maybe you are right. Uh, maybe it is him just, just messing around. Because for me, I look at it and it'd be one thing if he needed to improve his shot, but he shot 42% from three on three and a half attempts this, this past season. And as a six, 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 seven guy, like where it's really his athleticism and his defense, I would say are his two main selling points. I, I would take that all day. And Nick, I'm sure you're going to agree here. It, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. I think I, that's what I said to you as soon as you asked before we were on the air. 
Um, when you think of empty gym season, you think of guys like Andre Drummond or even Mitchell Robinson, right? That are like, look what I added to my bag. You didn't think I could do this, but now I have step back threes when that's not something that is really a thing. Or you even think about like with, with prospects this year, you know, Denny's going to keep putting up these empty gym videos where he's showing shooting from the perimeter. Cause that's something that is a question about him. Vassell doesn't have any questions on his jumper and he definitely doesn't have any questions on his form until today. So it is one of those things that's like, you know, as Dylan said, what is, does it really mean anything? You know, this is, could just be a single jumper or two jumpers that he took, but why, why does this video need to be out there? Cause that does not make him look good. Right. And it, and also as you were saying, that got me thinking like, when, usually when we see like a empty empty gym season video from someone like like Denny, Denny's the one tweeting them out himself. And so, and my first question was like, is this reporter there? Like how like how did this even this video like even happen? Um, but again, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it was just him messing around and yeah, I I don't know. It, it was just very bizarre, and I felt like we needed to uh, bring that up quickly as we were trying to be your go-to pod on all draft things. Um, but I think that's all we have on Devin Vassell and his wonky, potentially new uh, shooting form. So let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming, which, um, so last episode, Nick and I spoke about our favorite prospect, Denny Avdia. And we tagged him as a high floor, high ceiling guy. Um, in this episode, we, we want to keep with the high floor, but maybe not have as high of a ceiling as Denny. Some quote unquote safer picks should the Knicks, and these could fit maybe if the Knicks look to trade down, which Mark Berman of the New York Post had reported earlier this week, they might be looking to do that or move around um, some of their, you know, those two later picks that they have. Um, so we've got four guys to talk about here. I'm going to bring them up in the order that they were picked in the TKW mock draft 2.0, um, which came out this week. So definitely go check that out. So first up we have Sadiq Bay out of Villanova, a small forward. He was actually picked by Nick at 21 to the Sixers. Um, just for some rapid fire stats real quick. He played 31 games, uh, this past season had 16, one 16.1 points per game, almost five rebounds, two assists, shot 48% from the field, 45% from three, 77 from the line. Um, Nick, you definitely focus on shooters for the Sixers in the mock draft, which continues with the eventual next other pick that they have um, as part of these guys. Um, what do you see from Sadiq that gives him that, that high floor uh, caliber type player? Yeah, I think we've seen a trend over the last, you know, few years or so, which is what everybody wants. And every free agency and every draft is looking at three and D players. And those sort of guys have become, you know, the, the versatile wings that can shoot. And on either side of the ball, that is what teams are looking for, right? And Philly obviously desperately needs shooters. Now we'll see what that team ends up looking like going into next season. But Embiid and Simmons both 
benefit from shooters around them and they haven't had that or they didn't have that this year anyway. So when you look at a guy like Sadiq Bey that, as you said, shot 45% from three this year, that's somebody that gives you a that high floor of at the very least he projects to be a, a three and D role player. And it's probably, it doesn't project much higher than that, but if he's able to shoot consistently from the perimeter, that helps with teams with spacing. And obviously the three ball is a, a priority in, in NBA offenses in the modern era. And again, if, when looking at the Knicks, they're another team that the stars around them and, if you want to count RJ and uh, Mitch as stars or cornerstone pieces would benefit from having shooters around them. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of Sadiq Bay, I think a huge thing here is that he does have that high floor in my opinion, offensively for sure. He did, you know, have that high shooting percentage. The one thing I do worry about, I, I wouldn't say worry, but the one, the only concern about his shot, if there was one is the fact that he does kind of have a low release point. Um, I don't, I tend not to stress too much on that when I'm looking at prospects, because if it goes in, it goes in, like, I think he'll figure out a way to get it off. Um, he has a good size at six, eight. So I don't worry too much about that low release point. Another really underrated thing about, um, Sadiq Bey here is that he did average two and almost two and a half assists per game last year. So he's just really smart offensively in general, but I do worry about him a bit defensively. Um, and I think his ceiling may be capped because his athleticism really isn't that great. Um, I know you could probably find plays where he has dunked over someone, but I think in terms of like his quickness, his lateral quickness is not great. I think it's possible that in the NBA, he could get blown by pretty easily um, by guys who are just more athletic than him. And I think they could possibly cap his ceiling as just like a role player, which would be great for the Sixers. But in terms of the Knicks, um, I want guys that have, you know, obviously Bay could be a good, a good role player, a good shooter for sure. But I think I'm looking at more guys with athleticism just because I want a guy who does have a little bit of a higher ceiling while also having that high floor. For sure. And I think, um, and I brought this up on previous draft pods um, for me, just honestly, mainly just because I watch and love college basketball so much. I'm always looking at what teams are coming from. And for me, I just have this, thing where I just like Villanova prospects like they just do well in the league they know how to play they know how to play their role I also like you know for Nick's pick in the mock draft him staying in Philly I'm still mad that the Sixers trade away McCall on draft night because his mom worked or maybe still works for them I thought that was would have been so cool but um it's obviously working out for McCall too so no worries there but do like just like that whole vibe of of him staying in Philly and and uh, playing for the Sixers. Um, so the the next prospect we have, unless you guys have anything else to add on him, I'm good to move on. Cool. So next guy we have is uh, another three and D um, who was actually picked right after Sadiq in the mock draft by Quentin Hayes. Um, that's Desmond Bain from TCU. Um, I'll just read off quickly what Quentin had to say in the mock draft, uh, opting to move up and not risk it. Um, oh, I should mention, this is also for the, the Knicks. He traded the 27 and 38th picks, um, to move up here to 22, 
um, after picking Kira Lewis Jr. at eight. So we can talk about that fit in a minute, but uh, here's what Q had to say. Opting to move up and not risk it, the Knicks grab the best 3 and D prospect remaining in the draft in Desmond Bain. Good defender as two straight seasons of 40% shooting from three at TCU. Bain can jump right into New York's rotation and offer a floor spacer that can help create passing and driving lanes for fellow backcourt mate Barrett. Dylan, what do you think about this pick from Q? Yeah, so Bain is definitely probably at the top of my list from targets to the 27th pick. Uh, like what happened in this mock draft, I think that if the Knicks do want to get him, they're going to have to move up because one of these contending teams is probably going to grab him in the low 20s before the Knicks could even pick. So I would not be opposed to packaging those picks to move up for Bain. I mean, Bain is a guy that I, I just, I think his, his floor is so high. He's going to jump in and contri- contribute for a team right away, whether it's a playoff team or whether it's a team like the Knicks who's more rebuilding. Like he's, he's, he could pretty much do everything. Like he, if there's one thing that's a little bit concerning is the fact that he isn't that athletic, but he's great on defense. He is a pretty good scorer, probably one of the, probably a top three shooter in this draft. Um, like you said, shot 44% from three last year on six and a half attempts. So that's no fluke. Like he's, he's shooting a ton and they're, and they're all going in. Um, I, he's just a guy also great passer, like really, really smart player is a little bit older. So he does have that experience. And I think because of that teams are going to trust him in the rotation right away. Yeah. He's got, uh, he also averaged four assists and six rebounds, uh, a game this past season, which you like to, which is what you like to see. Uh, Nick, what do you think about Bain? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really high on Bain. I think of these guys we're talking about today, he's my favorite of them. And I, I think a big part of that is I, I do look at him as a, a little more complete player as opposed to just a shooter. I really like him defensively. And you just mentioned um, the rebounds and assists, I think both matter because they pass the eye test. He, he'll start fast breaks, you know, getting a rebound and going and, those sort of things. I, I do think he's a very um, ready to play kind of prospect, which is, is great. And why I think for his sake, he would be better going to a contender and where I do think he'll end up because a team like the Knicks, I don't know how well he would contribute immediately for a team that's not going to be contending right now. But I, I do think he's a pretty polished NBA ready uh, prospect. What do you guys think just overall about that fit? Uh, let's say the Knicks do do what Q did and have someone like Kira Lewis Jr. and, and also draft Bain. Do you, would you consider that a successful draft night for the Knicks? I, I think it would be very successful. I mean, I think Kira Lewis, once these workouts happen, and I know Shams just reported, I'm not sure the exact date, but their workouts are starting soon with teams um, up until the draft. So once these workouts happen, Kier Lewis is a guy that's probably going to fly up boards just from these workouts because he's so quick, so athletic, and he really is a high ceiling guy. And I mean, the Knicks need a point guard for what feels like the longest time at this point. So I think that somebody like Lewis would really, really be promising. Um, And I think that, like I said, I think he's going to sky up draft boards. I think that like you kind of saw with Donovan Mitchell in that, that draft um, where at the kind of at the end there, he made that late push. There was almost the, there was the rumors right up till the draft that the Knicks were even considering him Donovan Mitchell all the way up at where they were selecting. I believe it was eight or nine. Um, but, um, and then he ends up going Donovan Mitchell to the jazz in the lottery. So I think that 
Kira Lewis is a guy who could potentially sneak into the top 10 or will go right at the end of that lottery there. And the question is, are the Knicks going to reach enough to get him? Like, are they going to, are they going to feel comfortable trading back to get him? Or are they just going to take him at eight? I don't really know. Yeah, I do think what you're saying is true. And I, I don't know if there will be much space for them to, to trade down. I kind of look at him the same way. Whereas I, I do think he's, gonna be right around that eight to 12 range i think that would be a great fit the knicks have been you know the reports since really since the season ended have been that the knicks are targeting a point guard and that was you know there was the lamello talk and i know a lot of people like killian assuming those guys aren't there at eight i i think here really could be a nice fit to give them a, a cornerstone point guard i've been saying and during the mock draft 1.0 where i did draft as the knicks i really again prioritize shooting and i think desmond bain would be a great fit to go along with kira and rj i I think that would be the the right kind of player there again as that three and d type wing for sure okay so next on our list uh is tyler bay from colorado he got picked by Mike at 26 for the Celtics. Uh, so this is what Mike had to say about him. The rich get a little richer here. The Celtics already have formidable perimeter defenders, but you can never have too many of those. Tyler Bay is one of the draft's old heads, so landing on a contending team feels optimal. There is some 3 and D potential to Bay, and Boston is the perfect place to hone such skills. Um, he averaged almost 14 points a game, nine rebounds, an assist and a half. Um Shot fifty three percent from the field, forty two percent from three. Nick, what do you what do you like about Tyler Bay? Really, the defense is what stood out to me, and I I had a chance being on the West Coast to watch quite a bit of Colorado, and he's noticeable on on defense for sure. And like who I think you said, Mike, uh, in his write up there, yep. said. He looks like he'd be a great fit on a, on a contending team. I, I do see him as a, a high-level NBA defender. Yeah, I, I think that the one thing that stands out has to be his defense. I mean, this is the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and just he's pretty pretty great athlete also. So I think that, you know, when you talk about high floor, look, you know you're going to get you're no, you know you're going to get great defense and athleticism out of Tyler Bay. So I think at worst – you get a guy that you could plug in off the bench as like a, as like a defensive specialist. Um, now where I do have a problem with Bay is that his offensive game is not really polished. I mean, he just, all of his points are pretty much coming around the basket, just him dunking or he's, he's not great on in terms of jump shooting. I know that he did shoot 41.9% from three, but that's only on one attempt per game. So I don't really trust that yet. Now, like you said, there could be potential for him to be a three and D player if he does work on that shot a little bit. Um, and I think that's ultimately what he's going to have to do in order to stick around um, and maybe even, you know, grow as a player in this league. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts on Tyler Bay. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys, you know, just, I have a problem calling a pick a safe pick. Cause I don't, I don't know if I believe any pick is, is safe. You never know what's going to happen, but like you guys were saying, yeah when you have those defensive skills that sometimes you really just can't teach, you either have it or you don't Um, being, being able to bring someone off the bench that, you know, is not a liability on defense. I think 
is really big. And I think we saw some of that in, in these past uh, playoffs and finals that if you can bring someone in and you at least know they're not a defensive liability, that's a big help. Um, so our next and, and final uh, guy for this segment is Killian Tilly, the forward from Gonzaga. Nick, you picked him at 36 for the Sixers. Um, let me go through his stats real quick and then we'll get into it. He averaged 13.6 points per game with five rebounds and almost two assists per game, 53 and a half field goal percentage and 40% from three. Um, so what do you, what do you, do you see Killian as a, uh, high floor guy or you, you started talking before we were recording. You're not sure about how you wanted to classify him. I understand the high floor argument. I actually view him as a high ceiling guy because of the injury risk. Cause mm-hmm. I love Killian Tilly as a talent. And I think he is just a, a fantastic player. And I think if he was hundred percent healthy and had been playing his whole career at Gonzaga, I think we'd be talking him talking about him around the, the lottery or so late lottery. And that's where I view him just based off talent. Now, again, as an older player with injury risk, he's obviously hurt his draft stock because of that and no fault of his own. But occurring leg injuries to, especially to a, a big like that, obviously that's something that is you have to be wary of. And that's why I don't look at him as a high floor necessarily. Cause I took him for Philly and I, Love that fit again, getting a shooter in, a, a, in that offense. However, the Philly medical staff does not have the best resume <laughs> with young players, right? So, like, that would be a real concern for me with, with future in, injuries because I do see, you know, he's kind of mocked all over the place from the late first to the late second. I, I really like him as a talent. I just think there there are real concerns because of because of the health. Yeah, so I'm just going to read this excerpt from a article from NBC Sports Philadelphia. So in four quote in four years at Gonzaga, Killian Tilly. So he dealt with knee surgery, a torn ligament in his foot, a stress fracture in his ankle, numerous sprained ankles, a broken finger, and a hip pointer. The long list of injuries forced him to miss a total of 38 games during his college career. So, look, I. I'm a big fan of Tilly, like great shooter. He shot over 40% from three every single year, all four years, 6'10", great size for that stretch four. And he is pretty skilled also. He's not just a guy who's going to stand in the corner and shoot. Um, like he does, he does have some skill down low. I just have a hard time, especially if you're the Knicks who really, really needs to hit on these picks. I have a hard time bringing myself to take someone like that. I think you see one of the contending teams who is ready just to be in more of a risky position. I think they'll they'll be fine taking him, no problem, maybe even at the end of the first round. But I don't think that a team like the Knicks should touch a guy like that. No, that I mean that I, I'm with you guys in terms of liking Killian when he's at a hundred percent, right? But I mean you just listed all those injuries and it's it's hard to look I mean, you can't look past that. The that history is uh it's tough. It's tough to get through. And Nick, as you said, if he does go to the Sixers, that's even uh, more from uh, more concerning. But um, 
we'll uh we'll see what happens like, here in in the mock draft um that we did the mock draft 2.0 i took him for philly at 36 the nuggets had 38 from that pick or from that trade with the knicks that was the um desmond bain trade desmond, yeah that's the kind of team that Philly can take a, a player that may not, or sorry, excuse me, Denver can take a player that doesn't necessarily need to, to be a perfect fit health wise. And you could kind of take that risk. Like Dylan was saying, like if you have a team like that, a team like Toronto or, or someone that is capable and competent and showing that they can take some risks on guys, I, I love Killian Tilly. I would not be surprised if Killian Tilly were to turn out one of the, the better players from this draft, honestly. I, I believe in the offensive skill a lot. I just don't believe in the health at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Is there anyone off the top of your guys' head that you want to add to this high floor, low ceiling talk? Uh, we don't have to do anything in depth on them, but just anyone that pops out to you that we might have missed. So Bane, well, Bane is Bane would be number one on my list. So I mm-hmm. think I actually actually wrote an article similar to this a while ago where I was saying that the Knicks should maybe take maybe lean towards players who have played multiple years in college, so could maybe plugged in right away and just rather rather than drafting potential drafting guys that are like proven good talents already, but also do have that potential. So Bain is obviously someone who stands out, but in addition, I really like Grant Riller from Charleston. Now I I don't know whether you put him in that high floor category. I definitely, I think, I think because he's proven that he could play at a high level for four years in college, I think that I probably would consider him as high floor, especially if you're taking him in the second round. Like I think you're going to, I think that, he will be a role player for someone in this league. Like he has too much offensive talent not to be. Um, and I do think he comes along with the high ceiling also. Yeah. I, I want to touch on what Dylan said. Cause I I'm also super high on Riller. I do think the framing of high floor, at least the way that I interpret it is always these three and D wing types that have the floor because at worst they're, you know, bench wing wing role players if you look at a guy like Riller or another guy that I'm really high on Isaiah Joe I I think those two are both high floor because their worst case is bench scorers because of their the the scoring ability is is so proficient and they're so proven that I don't see any any way that they're not capable at least off the bench now they still have to prove things to be able to show that they can do other things and become starter level players but the floor of this guy can really score and having one skill at a elite level like Riller or Isaiah Joe I, I think those guys fit the conversation just in a different context yeah and if a guy if, if, if a guy like Isaiah Joe doesn't work quote unquote doesn't work out then like you said what's Isaiah Joe's really worst case scenario if he could shoot the ball like in an elite level like he's what it like an Anthony Morrow type guy like that's that guy is still a useful player for multiple years in the league so yeah, the other ones I wanted to talk about, because I, I know, we, and we said this a little bit last week, but we're not just doing Knicks-centric, but we're all still, you know, part of the Knicks wall, and we're, we're Knicks fans, and I think that's always going to kind of change how we're looking at things. But So with the, Knick at, the Knicks at eight, I do think there are a couple guys 
that are quote unquote safer. Like you said, there's no such thing as a safe pick that are available that are a little higher end high floor guys. And I think Devin Vassell is the first name I think of with that. And I took him when I had the Knicks at eight in the mock draft 1.0. And I kind of, I think I said something along the lines of not every pick needs to be a home home run. And Devin Vassell is a sure thing base hit. And like you mentioned with these, like you said, when you, when you're hearing high floor, you know, things that are coming up are these three and D wing players. Vassell is, is, is exactly that. And I think, like you said, I think that when, when I watch Vassell, when I watch his, his college, him in college, I, he reminded me a lot of Chris Middleton. Now I'm not saying he's obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be as good. I'm not saying he's going to be a multiple time all-star because that's just completely unfair um, to, to say about Devin Vassell. But if he could play like Middleton and play at a decent level, and even if he, even if he's like a Middleton type player and you know, it doesn't work out like we think what, again, like you said, what's his worst case scenario, good defender, and could hit the three off the bench like that that's that's a high that's a high floor player if if he quote unquote does not work out so i i think that the upside there is is huge as well so i i do agree with you that devin vassell is a high floor high ceiling type guy that you could get at eight and because of this draft having so much uncertainty and there being so many guys with this variability of where they will go in this like you don't typically see that with their where there's a 10 to 15 pick range on some of these guys on, on various mocks when you have a guy like Vassell that, as you just said, worst case is still a good NBA player, I, I trust that a lot over some of these other ones who, who don't have that sort of security. Yeah. I, I Especially guess. like, look, we're going to, when we talked about him a couple weeks ago on, on the TKW pod, I'm super high on Poku. And Poku is someone that I would love to see the Knicks take. He's not a high floor. He, he is a very low floor, high risk kind of player. So with the Knicks just needing to, to hit on everything right now, a guy like Vassell makes sense in a way that a guy like Poku doesn't necessarily make sense, even though I still would love to see Poku because I believe in him. But Yeah, I think the Knicks are definitely going to lean towards the safer, safer pick, whether that be Vassell or someone else. But I, I can't. I, I don't, I think the days I'm hopeful that the days of taking players like a Kevin Knox, let's say, or a Frank Nilakina and nothing, nothing against Frank. We, we love, we love Frank, but I mean, he, he was the definition of a high risk player, you know, in the top 10. So I, I think the days of that, I'm hopeful that those days are over. <laughs> well, it's funny that you guys brought up Grant Riller and Isaiah Joe, because Nick, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were just kind of planning out draft season as a whole, we were trying to, kind of tier all the guys that we wanted to talk about. And I think that that safe, low ceiling, high floor group, since we had already had four players in it, we didn't want to keep adding. So we just tried to think of a way of describing them and we just called them fun offensive late bursts. Cause it's <laughs> like, that's what they are, but they, they could very well fit into that high floor type of player. Yeah, and to me, they are much more fun to watch, those kind of guys. Right, right. But when you're looking at them as prospects, like the, the one elite skill, is that's a high floor kind of calling. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and one, other, one other person that I would put in that category, just fun, exciting players who I think could be high floor, high ceiling as well, Devon Dotson of Kansas. Um, I'm pretty high on him. Um just really, really good offensive talent. Like again, at, 
and he's he's only he only just finished his sophomore year so again has room to grow and at minimum I see him being a productive bench player like that's that's really what I see a productive bench scorer yeah and, and that's another guy I had the Knicks take in the mock draft 1.0 it's a guy I'm, I'm still similarly on that I think will be a, a legitimate NBA player and we'll talk about him like Jess was kind of saying in these we want to do these grouping kind of draft seasons I think all of the that kind of late first, early second point guard type or guards are interesting conversations in regards to floor and ceiling with with Dotson, with Trey Jones. Cassius Winston, Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. Yeah. I, they all kind of project as backup point guard slash solid, decent starting point guard types. Mm-hmm. which is in again which is the high floor kind of looking i mean you look at guys around the league that let's just say that have become very successful backup point guards look at a guy in like in denver monte morris definitely very valuable to their team like really really good player and a guy that they found in the second round um so i, I again like guys like that that's that's a huge success if you find that in the second round and or or even late first round so that is what I think the Knicks need to do with 27 and 38. While I do, I will, I would be fine with the idea of packaging both to trade up to, let's say get a Desmond Bain. I also would like to see just more high floor, uh, high ceiling potential, like players like that with those two picks. And I think it is important, Nick, like you brought up in kind of thinking about how you define a, high floor type of guy and it does seem like that's usually the more offensive minded players just because scoring's always going to give you that upside that gives you that high floor now if someone wanted to change that and their definition of high floor is knowing you're getting a very good defensive maybe like defensive rebounder type where you know you can get production on that side of the floor um there's obviously one player that pops into my head that I try not to bring up too much because everyone knows I'm super biased about it and I'll never act like I'm not. But Isaiah Stewart is that, in my opinion. I mean, he he could very well lead games in rebounding easily. He could. I, I, I thought about him when you asked. He was the first name that came up when, when you asked for more high floor guys. But I didn't want to step on your toes. And <laughs> um, but I do think an energy big is, again, when you're looking at these sort of late first type players, you're not necessarily projecting or expecting these guys to be very complete high level players or else they would be in the lottery. Right. Right. So you're looking at these specific kind of tropes and archetypes of, of a role player. And I think Isaiah Stewart absolutely fits into an energy big that could end up being, you know, that Montrezl Harrell type, like rebound, rebounding, rim running backup or even starter. I, I do think that's something that does qualify to me, at least anyway, as, as somebody that I feel confident as having a low floor being able to contribute in the NBA. Well, I'm glad you agree. So it's not just me being uh, biased. 
Well, you're definitely biased, but yeah. I, I agree. What do you think, Dylan, of Isaiah Stewart? So I, I haven't watched him a ton, to be completely honest. Um, but we'll, I, we'll I fix think, that, Dylan. We'll fix that. Don't I, worry. I think I think you I think you hit the nail on the head with like you want to find guys who are great at one thing, not necessarily like decent at all of them, because at minimum you get the thing that they're great at, and that's not going to change. Like you want to find those niche guys. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's all I have, guys. Do you have anything to add? Cool. All right. Well, Dylan, do you have anything? This is the part of the pod where you get to plug whatever it is that you want. So what do you got to plug? So like you said, I do have my website, sportsbird.com, but more specifically, I just created my own YouTube channel, which is also sportsbird, B-U-R-D, if you're listening and don't know that and haven't seen me on Twitter, B-U-R-D. So um, basically what I'm doing on there is I'm just talking about um, I do fantasy football waiver wire pickups videos on Tuesdays. I do college football betting picks on Fridays. And then also I have my own NFL player prop show over at um, Sal Vetri's fantasy football cha- fantasy sports channel. So go check those things out. If you love fantasy sports, if you love betting and I'll probably I'm, pro- I'm hoping that I could get some NBA draft content on that YouTube channel as well. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out because I do really love gambling. <laughs> I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> love to see it. Nick, you got anything to plug? No, I never really have anything to plug. Um, I guess we've been talking about the Mock Draft 2.0 for a while now. So mm-hmm. the Mock Draft 2.0, the Mock Draft 3.0 is somewhere down the docket and I don't know when yet. The only other thing I'm doing right now is draft season which i hope everybody wants to keep listening to cool so um again you guys can follow dylan at sports underscore bird nick at not the fake nc with underscores under every dang syllable of that and then me at jryan44 make sure you're following the next wall make sure you're checking out all our draft content and uh we'll be coming at you guys soon